verse 15. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. And yet, for this reason, I found mercy, in order that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. I'd like to share some thoughts with you tonight concerning the perfect patience of God. Paul says he was saved that he might that Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience in Paul. Patience is an attribute of God. And as such, it's perfect. Everything God does is perfect. All his attributes are perfect. So when we think of God's patience, we know it is a perfect patience. When we talk about the attributes of God, we're talking about what God is like. So when we think of the patience of God, this would include things like him being slow to anger. Or the Bible sometimes says long-suffering. Sometimes it talks about his forbearance. All this refers to the restraint exercised by God in the infliction of sin's deserts. Restraint uh, exercised by God. Whenever God does not avenge sin by the instant execution of justice and wrath, he is exercising patience or long-suffering. Now, A.W. Pink had this as a definition, speaking of the patience of God. That power of control which God exercises over himself, causing him to bear with the wicked and forbear so long in punishing them. That power of control which God exercises over himself. Now, these sometimes these definitions can give us the wrong Understanding of God because it's they 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 have to use things, uh, put things in terms of that we can understand and in terms of of uh, attributes that we're aware of. Uh, some another person put it in terms of a power of self-restraint. God's patience is His power of self-restraint. Uh, but again, those are human terms, and uh, we shouldn't be thinking in terms of human passions so much when we think about God's patience. There's no conflicting passions in God's nature like there are in us. You know, we have mixed motives about things, and we're torn between two things and that type of thing. Well, God's not like that. Um, God is one. That is, he is unitary in his being. Now, I want to quote a little bit from A.W. Tozer here, just to kind of keep us from going off in the wrong direction uh, from those definitions. He says, The doctrine of the divine unity means not only that there is but one God, it means also that God is simple, uncomplex, one with himself. The harmony of his being is the result not of a perfect balance of parts, 
but of the absence of parts. Between his attributes, no contradiction can exist. He never, he, he need not suspend one, one to exercise another. Talking about his attributes, you see. He need not suspend one to exercise another, for in him all his attributes are one. All of God does all that God does. He does not divide himself to perform a work, but works in the total unity of his being. The persons of the Godhead being one have one will. They always work together, and never one, and never one smallest act is done by one without the instant acquiescence of the other two. Every act of God is accomplished by the Trinity in unity. So, um, in these definitions, uh, we shouldn't get the idea that there's some great conflict in God. Nevertheless, uh, these, uh, these definitions do help us somewhat. That power of control which God exercises over himself, causing him to bear with the wicked and forbear so long in punishing them. Well, how do we know God's like that? Well, we know that from the Bible, from the Old and New Testament. Let me just begin with just a few thoughts here from the Old Testament where God has revealed himself as being slow to anger. When God, when, when God appeared to Moses and, and Moses asked God, I pray thee, show me thy glory. God said this in Exodus 33, 19 and 20. He said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So he says, I'll do that. I'll make my goodness pass before you. He goes on and says, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. So he said, I'm going to hide you. You know the, the uh, account. I'll hide you there in the cleft of the rock there on Mount Sinai. And then this is what happens when, when God uh, fulfills this promise to him of, of um, making his goodness pass before him. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. This is Moses. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. But you see, as he's making his goodness pass before him, this is what he says. This is what... This is what he proclaims himself to be like, the Lord, the Lord God. In other words, he's the sovereign one, the one in control of everything. Slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. So, that's, uh, you know, that you might say this is one of the primary revelations of the character of God right here to Moses. And the reason I say that is because it comes up over and over again. This, this account here is used over and over again. For instance, Moses uses it later on when the people of God have um, rebelled and uh, actually threatened to kill him, to kill Moses, because they didn't like how things... When the report came back that, you know, if we go into that land, we're all going to die. All there's giants here and they'll kill us all. Well, the people grumbled and complained and said, why'd you bring us out here? And they, they were ready to stone Moses. Um, 
Well, Moses prays to God not to destroy the people for their sin. And the basis for Moses' prayer is that revelation of God's character that he gave Moses uh, there on Mount Sinai. Listen to what he says. This is in Numbers 14, 17. This is Moses praying. But now I pray, let the power of the Lord be great, just as thou hast declared. So he said, let the power of the Lord be great. Okay, so how is that going to be manifested? The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty. This is, this is Moses praying back that revelation that God had gave him, praying it back to God, saying, I know this is the way you are. Pardon, I pray, the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of thy loving kindness, just as thou also hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. So, you have Moses taking that revelation, especially about God being slow to anger and uh, the loving kindness of God and praying it back to God. Um, later on, and this, again, this is, comes up a number of places in the Old Testament. I, I'm just going to name a couple of them here. David, in Psalm 103, verse 6 through 11, says, The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the sons of Israel. So, okay, he made known his ways and his acts. What are they? The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. So again, there's that revelation of, that was given to Moses, repeated here by David. Now, a really, uh, I think, uh, extraordinary example of someone taking this revelation um, concerning God's uh, being slow to anger and his patience is Jonah. Because Jonah actually says, after Nineveh repents and God relents of the calamity that he was going to bring upon him, Jonah actually says, well, I knew you'd do that. <laughs> well, how did he know that? Well, here's what he says. Well, it says, but it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. That, that is that God didn't destroy Nineveh. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Isn't that amazing? He takes this revelation and, and uses it almost against God, saying, Well, I knew you were going to do this. That's why I didn't want to go well of course his heart was not right in this but I think it's an amazing example of, of this truth that God is slow to anger now when we turn to the New Testament we see that that perfect patience of God all centers around the Lord Jesus Christ that's what we just read there in 1 Timothy um I found mercy in order that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience. In the New Testament, we can contemplate the patience of God 
in its clearest, truest light. We see the Lord Jesus Christ as the foundation upon which uh, and the channel from which the patience of God flows. It's the foundation, it's the channel, uh, the, the work of Christ. There could be no manifestation of divine goodness or mercy or patience but for the work uh, and the death of Christ. One person said it this way, On no other ground than that of the Son of God engaging in the eternal purposes of God and actually in the fullness of time taking our nature could God's infinite patience and pardoning grace be extended to man. I mean, there's just no other way God could be patient but what he did in Christ. It was on the ground of Christ's future work that God could appear to Moses and declare himself the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in in goodness and truth. It was on the basis of what God was going to do in Christ that he proclaimed himself to be that way even in Moses' time. So when we turn to the New Testament, we see that God's patience is centered and grounded in Christ. Um, Romans chapter 2, why don't we turn to that. Paul's explaining the gospel here in Romans, but he says this in chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. God's goodness, his, his kindness, his forbearance, his patience should lead men to repentance for sin. When we consider what God has done in Christ. But it doesn't. And one of the reasons it, it doesn't is it's misinterpreted by the natural man. They think that because sin is not immediately punished, well, God just doesn't doesn't care, doesn't punish sin. And they end up mocking God, thinking uh, sin will not be punished just because God's patient. Actually, God delays the execution of justice. He's long-suffering so that more men might be saved. That's told us in uh, 2 Peter. Why don't we turn to that? 2 Peter chapter 3. Three and verse 3. Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lust, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? In other words, I don't see any, there's no judgment coming. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. But if you skip down now to verse 7. 
Peter explains this, but the present heavens and earth by his word are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this fact escape notice, your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient. He is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. I think the best way to get a hold of what he's saying there is if God had not been long-suffering, if not been patient, if he was uh, executing justice immediately, we wouldn't be here tonight. And the fact is, uh, that's true as Christians. For us as Christians, we wouldn't be here. It's also true for anyone here that's not a Christian. You wouldn't be here, and we wouldn't be here. There wouldn't be anybody here if God wasn't patient, if God wasn't long-suffering. And I was thinking about this today. Sometimes when we think of God's patience, we think of Him being patient with us before we became Christians, you know, not letting us die before we repented. But... I'm not so sure. I, I feel like in my own life, he's probably been more patient with me after I've been a Christian. When I consider how little my gratitude seems to be, how small my faith seems to be, how little love I have, how much there yet, how much holiness yet is lacking in my life, how patient I should be and am not. When I consider all those things, I have to think that maybe God's been more patient with me after I became a Christian than before. Well, whether that's the case or not, I know that God's patient. He's patient with each one of us. He's patient with you here tonight if you're, you're not a Christian. I, it's just true. The reason you're not in hell right now is because of his patience. We should never presume upon the patience of God, especially as a non-Christian. You know, the fact is God's calling all men everywhere to repent. And that's a, a constant call. Can't you say, well, God's patient, so I'll just keep on sinning. If we shun the goodness of God, the patience of God, abuse His patience, we're not slighting God any but we're hurting ourselves as it says in Proverbs 8.36 he who sins against me injures himself you don't injure God but you certainly injure yourself if we don't repent ultimately we'll just show ourselves to be vessels of wrath that God was patient with You know the verse there in Romans 9, 21, 22. What if God, though willing to demonstrate his wrath and make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath 
prepared for destruction. And he did so in order that he might make known the riches of his glory upon the vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. These are important things, things that we need to contemplate often when we consider God's character. The fact is that God being patient with sinners will bring him glory in one of two ways, either by showing the riches of his glory and giving vessels of mercy time to repent and come to salvation, or by demonstrating more clearly his righteous judgment and power when he finally, after much patience, destroys the vessels of mercy, vessels of wrath. I wanted to read J.I. Packer here. Those who decline to respond to God's goodness by repentance and faith and trust and submission to his will cannot wonder or complain if sooner or later the tokens of his goodness are withdrawn, that is, his patience. The tokens of his goodness are withdrawn. The opportunity of benefiting from them ends and retribution supervenes. God is patient. He's patient right now with everyone in this room. One of the reasons that God does not smash all rebellion right now today is he has some people yet to save. And he's bearing with the vessels of wrath in order to save the vessels of mercy. I think maybe an example of this goes clear back to the book of Genesis. In the days of Noah, when the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, the Bible says that the patience of God kept waiting. Isn't that something? The patience of God kept waiting. What was the patience of God waiting for? For the completion of the ark. And for all that would be saved from the flood to get in the ark. That's what the patience of God kept waiting for. That everybody that was to be in the ark got in the ark. When Noah and his family were in the ark, God shut the door. Patience stopped waiting, and the flood came. What's that mean for us? That means for us that God's got the ark completed. That ark is the Lord Jesus Christ. But all are not in the ark yet. And the door is still open. How do I know that? Because Jesus is still saying, come. There's still room in the ark. This, the, the, the call still goes out, flee from the wrath of God. I, that call is still going out, so I know there's still room in there. And this is what Paul would have us to, to contemplate. 
He says it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The ark is open. Christ is there for those who will come. So again, the call goes out, repent and believe the gospel. Now, some people might say, well, I'm too sinful to get in the ark. This is what, this is what Paul is specifically trying to tell people in these verses that we read. He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. You can't get more sinful as far as Paul was concerned. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. So, if, he's already, if God's already saved the chief of sinners, he can certainly save anyone else. If you come into the ark, you'll be safe. If you stay out of it, destruction is all there is. What's it, what, what do I mean to come in? To, well, I mean to trust Christ. What's it mean to trust Christ, to come to Christ? It means to trust Him with your soul. It means to trust Him with your sins. It means to trust Him with your future. It means to trust Him with your past. It means to just trust Him with everything. God is a patient God. In fact, He's perfectly patient, we're told. One writer said this, Here let us consider, admire, and love what a God is our God. When we remember how holy He is, of purer eyes than to look upon iniquity, when we remember how powerful He is, He looks upon the hills and they tremble, when we remember how just he is, a God without iniquity, just and right is he, and will by no means clear the guilty, and then contemplate his infinite patience with sinners and saints, oh, what a God is our God. God is perfectly patient. You know, there won't be anybody in, in, in hell that says, well, God didn't wait long enough. They'll see that God was perfectly patient. He did just right. His patience is perfect. Well, I want to just close with this thought, and that is, since God is like this, we should strive to be like God in that we should desire to be patient, to exhibit patience. It's something that is stressed in the New Testament as a Christian Christian responsibility, a Christian duty, to be patient. And the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. Now that was specifically toward Christian leaders, but... Um, there are verses that apply to all of us concerning patience. Colossians 3.12 So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. 
whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. In other words, God's been so patient. Can we be impatient? When tempted to be disgusted with the sin of others, remember God's patience and long-suffering towards you. His perfect patience. Well, let me just close again with the main verse. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. I didn't read this to begin with, but we'll close with this. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.